This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to a new season of the Total Saints podcast. If you're new to the podcast, TSP is your home for all things Southampton Football Club. A place where you can get involved with the Saints community. And as we found out last season, a place where you can find some much needed therapy after bad results on the pitch. But if you already knew that, welcome back. It's great to have you with us for the upcoming season. The podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. We'll be checking your comments as we go through the show. So if you're watching live and you've got something to say, you can get involved in the conversation. Now, our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal patron community because without them, we couldn't make the show each week. We've got two new patrons who have joined us over the summer break. So a huge welcome to Alex No, who joined our Bobby Stokes tier. And hello to Kev Barr, who has joined the newly renamed James BT tier. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate your support. A bit more on that coming up in just a moment. Uh, This week on the podcast, life begins under new manager Russell Martin. We'll get early thoughts on his style and his initial impact. It was a short trip to Reading at the weekend for pre-season friendly number three. We'll look back at that performance and see what we can take from it. And it's been a busy few weeks with transfers, some comings and goings, one going and then coming back again by the looks of it. We'll assess the new arrivals and have a little look at what business may still be done. So my name's Martin Stark, a radio presenter and long-suffering Saints fan, and I'm joined this week by our returning regulars. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LeCourt is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Alfie House is the Saints reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons. If you're keeping track, this is episode number 236 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. So a little bit of housekeeping to get through before we start with the football. As I said at the beginning, the podcast is entirely supported by our community of patrons who support the pod each month through a subscription. And without them, we wouldn't have a podcast. So we're always on the lookout for new patrons. Your support means the world to us. And in return, we've got some fantastic perks on offer, including exclusive TSP merchandise, ad-free episodes of the pod, and access to the TSP FPL, plus loads more as well. There are four tiers on offer, ranging from £5 to 
£20. And you can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And on that note, I'm pleased to say that the TSP FPL is officially underway, open to any and all TSP patrons. We run the competition throughout the season and we give away an exclusive prize to the winner of both the league and the cup at the end of the season. Now, if you're a patron already, you'll find the details for joining on the TSP patron homepage. And if you're a new sign up, you'll get the info in your welcome message. Just check your patron messages for more. On to the football then. It's been a while. Uh, it took a month or so to agree compensation with Swansea, but Russell Martin was finally unveiled as the new Saints manager on the 21st of June. His coaching staff soon followed. That seems like a good place to start as we return. Uh, Going to start with you, Alfie, because I know you spent a bit of time with the new manager. Have you been impressed with what he's had to say so far and, and, and his demeanour? Yeah, I think it's it's always relatively easy for a, a boss to come in and, and speak well and impress. I mean, everybody was absolutely buzzing after Nathan Jones's first press conference about how he's going to be honest and straight to the point. And, you know, he was, to be fair, um, but it probably wasn't what we wanted. Um, but yeah, Russell, is, he's clearly somebody who's very attentive. He's um, he's tightening. I think even his assistant, Matt Gill, um, sits in on all of his press conferences and, and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what's going on there. There's something to follow up on. And I actually bumped into Russell at Ocean Village about a couple of weeks ago before we went to Turkey. And the first thing that he then said when I spoke to him in Turkey was, how was your dinner on Wednesday? So he's clearly somebody who is just keeping an eye on. He's, he's, he's trying to be, uh, you know, trying to be popular, trying to be liked. And in terms of the football, I mean, I don't know what you thought about Reading, but I've not seen someone play like that in the two years I've covered them. You know, I know it's only League One opposition against Ruben Sellers, but I thought the football was was genuinely brilliant, exciting, massively improved on Gustepe. And I think Steve made the point that, you know, the pitch in Turkey was probably stopping that from happening as well as, you know, another week of training. But yeah, in terms of Russell Martin, I think only time will tell. Results will be the most important thing. But I, I like with the direction they're going. And, and as much as we use the word aligned and we hear it all the time now, it does actually seem like him and Jason Wilcox do get on really well and they actually are aligned, so to say. Yeah, Jason Wilcox used that quite a few times in his little interview that he did uh, on the club website. And and, and actually, you know, I think at the moment we're, we're kind of all for that. Um, Glenn, it does represent quite a shift away from that high press approach that we had under Ralph and to a lesser extent under Sellers. But are you, you kind of happy with the new direction and, and what you've seen so far? Yeah, very much so. I mean, we needed to move away. I think we said that at the tail end of last season. We needed to move away from that style of football because it it wasn't working anymore, be that the players had grown tired of it or the players we have weren't suitable for it we definitely needed to move away from it and and I'm glad that we have I mean the the two games we had against in Benfica was a glorified training exercise wasn't it and um, there were there were excuses for Gus Tepe not being the best but but against Reading you could really see what they were trying to do I mean it's uh, it's interesting we you know we we've actually won a game we scored some goals as well <laughs> yeah and um it's like it's almost like we planned to do a to do a TSP after playing against the Ruben Sellers team because we were always going to win. Let's face it, guys only won one one win in his last fifteen, so chances are he was going to be rubbish. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I the football against Reading, and we're probably going to get onto that game separately. But uh, I just love the fact that we there was movement ahead of the ball. There were options, there were people to pass to. There was lots of triangles. There was. You know, people make third man runs, all that sort of stuff. It was, it was just there was always someone to pass to, and if you want, you want a better, you won't find a better example than Adam Armstrong's goal. It's just that that sort of football, the sort of incisive passing to someone's feet, laying it off to another runner, bang, great goal, Joe Arebo goal. Again, you know, it's, it's just really intelligent play. Everyone knowing where everyone is. I mean, Adam stepped over that ball, probably knowing that someone was behind him, and and it was it was just. It was just really impressive. I mean, but, you know, with that comes, you know, slight concerns. I mean, we spent, 
And we, we kept hearing about rest defence all the time, didn't we, last year? You know, what to do once we've lost the ball. Play stoppers, wasn't it? Play yeah, we, we won't, I mean, if Reading's anything to go by, we haven't got any of that. It, you know, it's, it's a trade-off. <laughs> if, you, if you have runners ahead of the ball and you then give the ball away, you're going to get caught with four, maybe five players forward, which... Um, but to be honest, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have that. And, um, you know, the chances we gave away against Reading were all down to defensive mistakes on the halfway line. And if, if, if people had done their jobs properly, which you would hope they would more likely do in the league, then maybe that won't be such a problem. I mean, there are, there are things to work on. Um, they, you, you can by no means say it's uh, everything's brilliant after a friendly against the League One team. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I thought that that Reading game was 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 very promising, and uh, yeah, quite optimistic about everything about Russell Martin and the new training setup so far. And Steve, what have your impressions been on the new manager so far? I know we talked about the the, the need to move away from the the high press because it wasn't working, and this possession based strategy, which seems to make more sense in a season when you've got to play forty six odd, maybe fifty games with the cups. Yeah, I think, and also possession based strategy seems to make a lot more sense when you're likely to have a lot of the ball coming down from the Premier League with a squad that I think a lot of us probably still assess as having been good enough to stay up, but just not managed by the right people with the right systems. So yeah, in the championship, we're going to, we're going to be seeing a hell of a lot of the ball. So switching to a style where the players are comfortable in, in that situation. I mean, look at the number of games we had last season where the supposed lesser, lesser sides were happy just to sit back and, and, let us have the ball and see what we could or couldn't do, and the and the and the answer was generally the latter. And then they'd they'd break on us and and nick the game one nil. That was that was kind of how how the season panned out, and it was infuriating. And this season, I think against weaker, what are definitely going to be weaker defenses, quality players, and at the moment we've retained pretty much everybody we'd want to retain. Um, so far, I mean that that'll obviously change between now and the end of August. But I'd say we're probably looking the strongest strongest first eleven, and I include Leeds and Leicester in that at the moment. So yeah, I mean I, I like I like what what Russell Martin said, but as as Alfie said at the end of the day, he's he's only just got his got his feet under the desk and he's looking to impress people. And yeah, I mean he he seems seems relaxed, but obviously knows knows he's got a got a job on his hands, and and I think. It'll be interesting to see how the um, the patience of the of the home crowd goes because I think I think away from home you'll always get a little bit more a little bit more leeway, but at home where you're expected to make the running, if things don't kind of start going our way, sort of immediately, um, how quickly the the kind of tension builds and and the pressure to just get it forward sort of builds and and see how the players react to that, but. Yeah, I mean, so far so good, really. Um, I mean, as Glenn said, the Benfica game, kind of no no real benefit in terms of seeing the um, seeing the style. That was a that was a convenient fitness exercise, and by all accounts, Benfica were paid were paying us to be there. So that's um, that was that was quite useful. But yeah, Turkey away would have been fine if the pitch had been damp and flat enough. But where it was so dry and so bobbly, you couldn't you couldn't trust any pass was was going to. Um, was going to find its target properly, and yeah, it was it was just one of those infuriating evenings. I mean, you saw um, obviously Prousey's penalty where um, he's stuck his foot 
stuck his foot next to the ball, next to the penalty spot, and the pitch has just given way underneath him. And the goalkeeper still went the wrong way, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it looks hilarious. It goes viral. Everyone has a bit of a laugh, and everyone, mo- and, and then everyone moves on. But it's it's obviously a bit annoying that that we've kind of gone to the effort of going all the way out there. The the ninety minutes has kind of been a bit of a waste, really, um, for the most part. Other 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 than sort of warm weather training, everybody kind of building up stamina in in that insane heat and then yeah but then you come back and actually our our summer has seemingly disappeared <laughs> yeah no dry, no dry pitches here this weekend yeah you come coming back into the cold and actually, and actually that that pitch at the Majesty Stadium was perfect um for what we're what we're trying to do because not only was it obviously with the usual sort of pre-match watering it was obviously drizzling and raining all all afternoon um, so it allowed us to keep up the slick passing for first whistle to the last. And yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive. You've got to kind of take into, into consideration that Reading are crap. And yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we were what, two nil up inside, what, eight minutes? If we've been playing a competitive game, that, that game would have been five, six nil at half time and, and game's over. But with it being pre-season, I think there's, there's still a little bit of a lapse in concentration every so often. Obviously, Bednarek made a bit of a, bit of a mistake for the first goal um I think I don't think Charles has covered him in covered himself in particular glory for the for the second goal and obviously Bazunu's also let it squirm underneath him so still a few sort of slight concerns um there I mean as as Glenn said with the whole leave getting players caught up field that could that could be a bit of a problem against half decent sides in the championship but ultimately you do tend to get away with a lot more down at this level and it's one of those little trade-offs okay we might we might win a few games 4-3 and at the end of the day if if as long as we as long as we are winning those games then people are going to love are going to love watching this style of football going to have a few more questions about players that might fit his style who stays who we need to move on just i mean alfie patience was the word that seemed to come out quite a bit in in the press conference he was asking for for patience from the fans is that just covering his back a little bit or, or do you think that's just you know if it doesn't quite go to plan the first couple of games he's going to keep reiterating that patience thing it will come just bear with me because it, it's been quite a big shift yeah, well, I'm sure he wants to buy himself some time as well. But I think he is right. I mean, you can see, although Reddin looked brilliant and it was quick and you had the, the passes and the movement was in, what he's trying to do is very different. The fullbacks are playing a totally different role. You know, whereas under Ralph Ruben and to an extent Nathan Jones as well, they were very much hugging the touchline up and down, balls into the box if they could. Uh, and it's man-to-man marking sort of thing. Now it's there taking up central midfield positions and they're doing completely different things, taking the ball, trying to turn in space. So there's a lot that's different. And although it's the same players, I think, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time. I don't think it will be an immediate turnaround, to be honest. I think there's a really hard start to the season. I know that Sheffield Wednesday are in a bit of a mess. But I think going away to Hillsborough on a Friday night to open the championship season, they've got a manager now. I think that's a really tough game. And we obviously we mentioned they've got Plymouth and a couple of other promoted sides as well. But then you look in September, I think they play a lot of the teams you'd imagine be up there, Leeds, Leicester, um, off the top of my head, I can't quite remember a few more, but I'm sure Middlesbrough, Sunderland away as well. So there's actually a lot of tough games. I wouldn't be surprised if after 10 games of the season, some of them aren't first, second, third or fourth. It might be that they're the sixth, seventh, eighth or ninth. So yeah, he'll want time. I think it will take a bit of time. And, and the other problem is that he doesn't know exactly what his squad's going to be. You know, the first 11 now is probably going to look very, very different to September the 2nd. He's mentioned that a couple of times. Obviously, we don't know if Tino Livermento is still going to be here. You know, contrary to what Newcastle want to feed their journalists, you know, we understand that that isn't done yet. He is still a Southampton player, but he's, he's one that could potentially leave. Obviously, James Ward-Prowse, you don't know if he's going to be here or not. Romeo Lavia is probably not going to be here by then. Uh, Carl Capita's probably won't be here by then. Mohamed Salas, who's on the way out. 
Is Coletta Carr good enough? Lianco, he's probably not going to be here. So there's going to be a lot of changes in between now and then. So although all the work is done and you feed this philosophy in, come September, they're probably going to have to do it all over again with you know, maybe even three or four different players. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it will take time. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident at the moment. Let's get back into the game from yesterday then, Glenn. I mean, a first win, which is great. Uh, a chance for fans to see the new style of play. A decent result as well. You know, we scored four goals away from home. Can't remember when I was there and we scored four goals away from home. It was nice just to see a win, to be honest. So I know it was only Reading, but there were definite improvements on, on what we had to suffer last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said earlier, it's just just the style of play, the intent to attack. I mean, you can kind of see the team sort of taking shape a little bit. Some of the youngsters who were involved against Benfica and Gustepe weren't weren't there. You know, you've got Sam Amoyo seems to have gone to the top of the list with regards to the youngsters who've not played much. He seems to be uh you know one of one of the wingers who's going to be there or thereabouts. Um I I really enjoyed seeing Adozi come on because I've always the kid's got something. You know, he can beat people in tight areas and he he knows when to inject some pace into the game. And he made that fullback look a complete mug, um, which was which was great. <laughs> you know, so so there were some positives. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this. I thought Adam Armstrong looked excellent. I think he's a limited player, but he can only, he can only play as the you know one of the furthest forward players. I, I don't think he's great when he drops deeper or plays that left hand side role. But I, you could see what he was about. And it's the you know in two years we haven't really seen what it's about what he's about because we haven't really played to his strengths. Again, it's just it's one goal in preseason, but I thought he looked useful. Um, and and if he if he can if he can play like that, then you know maybe he will surprise a lot of people, including me, and um, and get some goals. And that was a, that was a tremendous finish for the goal. So you know, fair, fair play to him. Um, and he wants to be here. That's another thing. You know, he probably knows he you know, he might think he hasn't got many options, but he actually wants to be here. And that that's. I want to get rid of the players who um, who let us down last year, mm. and there were several. And there's enough of them, yeah. <laughs> there's enough. There's enough of them. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Salazar, who's pathetic last year in terms of his attitude. You know, he'd have one good game. Well, leading up to the World Cup, he had a couple of good games, and then once he got back from the World Cup, he just phoned it in. You know, I mean, there's there's a few others as well, including ones. You know, I don't really like the. Stuart Armstrong's been one of my favourite players over the four years he's been here, but he's he's phoned it in for the last year. Um, you know, Bella Kochap, he, he's just got to, um, it's not good enough just to look like a hard man, you know, and you can't be a big tough center half if you're made of biscuits and you break down every time it gets a little bit difficult. So he's another one. He, he could be a tremendous player, but I just, he let us down last year. I know he's only young, but I just, you know, I want to get rid of these players. And you, you, you know, you've seen the redemption of people like Bednarek as well. I know he's not fully, he's been away with Poland, so he's not really, um, sort of, played much in pre-season but you know I like the the look of his improvement at the tail end of last year and I hope he stays and I, to be honest I think he will and he'll probably be captain if um, if Wal Prowse goes so yeah I, I, you, you see little things within the team Will Smallbone he's really good on the ball part of the you know we're talking about the defending when we lost the ball he's a little bit lightweight obviously when we have when we haven't got the ball I mean very, very lightweight because a couple of times he could have cut off an attack at source and he was there in the right place, but he just didn't make the tackle. So that's obviously what he has to work on, as has always been the case with him, to be honest. He's always looked a little bit lightweight. But um, Russell Martin is apparently a big fan of him. So I think we're, we're going to see a lot of him. But on the ball, he was I thought he was tremendous yesterday. So there are, there are lots of positives. Nathan Teller coming back. 
Um, he didn't look great against Gestepe, but probably probably the pitch, as as we've said. I think everyone could be excused. But uh, he looked much much more lively, and we know he can do it in this division. It doesn't look like Burnley are going to um, come back and spend the, spend the money necessary. So, well, they've got Redmond now, haven't they? Absolutely. Yeah. With, uh, have, you, have, you, have you seen their social media unveiling of him? That was incredible. It's the most bizarre thing ever, isn't it? They're, 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 they're unveiling. You almost want them to sign someone like Teller just so you can see what the video is they're going to put out. But it's absolutely dreadful. I don't watch things because once Palaz are dead to me once they leave. <laughs> Steve, I don't know about you, but I did find yesterday that the, the players that came on actually looked um, as impressive as those that went off. It didn't feel like as the, those uh, substitutions that were made on the 71st minute or whatever, we didn't feel like a week aside afterwards, again, in the context that it, it was Reading, but there was, it looked like they had a, a point to prove some of those guys that came on. Yeah. I mean, the Rebo even moved, which was, yeah. I mean, that was, that was a surprise to everybody, I think, but yeah, I, th- I think that just demonstrates, I mean, it's, well, it's a combination of things, isn't it? It demonstrates that we got a bit of depth, certainly for this level. And also that the squad is still massive. And yeah, I mean, as as we've as we've discussed, there's probably, I mean, I mean, do we reckon they're probably still going to go in by the by the end of the transfer window, six, seven, maybe? And some of those will be ones we want to get rid of. Some of those will be ones we don't. You're kind of biding time on that. But yeah, certainly those who came on didn't do them, didn't do their chances any harm. Certainly, I don't think there was anybody who came on that looked that looked kind of all at sea. Um, Gillette Sar was an interesting one because defensively he was fine. But when he tried to kind of speed the game up a little bit and spray the pass wide either to either to the fullback or to the winger, basically every single pass he put too much on and, and it went about a yard um away from, from the target and out of play for a throw in. Um, which is a little bit little bit frustrating. But I think that's that's just uh that's something he's he's just gonna have to practice. I like that he's trying to ping the ball. I like that he's not trying to just just make sure it gets there sort of in terms of just play it along the ground and, and wait for someone to then come and intercept it, which is what definitely would have happened last season. So, yeah, I mean, the the intent is there. It, just the execution wasn't, wasn't quite up to it. He had, he, Chiletas, I had two incidents right at the start of the second half. He, he tried to ping with his right foot out to the left wing and landed it perfectly. And I thought, oh, that was good. And then the next time he just tried to play a five-yard ball to Tino, <laughs> just passed it behind him. Just straight out of play. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, as, as Glenn said, Adozi looked looked very sharp when he came on. Um, Gineppo, decent, um, took the captain's armband, which I think was which which I, which I think was was not what anybody expected to see. But I think I think the big the big one for me um, of the players coming on was Ryan Manning. I mean, you could see that he already knew what was expected of him positionally. Um, so when when we've got when we've got the ball on his side, you're you're out wide and you're and you're pushing forward a little bit. Um, when the ball kind of moves more infield, the player moves infield, and and you're not a sort of traditional fullback anymore. You're almost playing that role that kind of Trent Alexander Arnold has has been kind of shoehorned into for Liverpool and England the last six months or so. Um, I don't think he's quite quite comfortable with that just yet, but that that will that will come in time. Uh, Walker Peters looked fine from from the left. So yeah, no no concerns there if if he's still around come the start of the season. Um, I mean the the links the rumours with him have gone very quiet. So yeah, I don't not quite sure what's what's likely to, likely to happen with that. But I guess he's he's probably one of those players who's like third or fourth choice for a half decent club, and they're basically waiting for the other choices to reject them, and then he's 
Um, he's then then getting his getting his move back to the Premier League, I, I imagine. Which is a shame because he's still got a lot to offer. Um, Alfie, I just want to chat about those two soft goals that we conceded. I guess if we're taking the positive, it gives them something to work on this week. Maybe just a little reminder to to Russell Martin about the the personnel and and, and the people that he's dealing with when we look at that back five, which was so problematic last season. Yeah, I think obviously Jan Bednarik. A little bit unlucky giving it away um, with the first one, but I did still give it away. Um, I think that the forward did nip in in front of him. And Jack Stevens looked a little bit slow on the recovery as well. Not that he had much chance. The first one was, you know, relatively not too egregious. But the second one, obviously, we'd like to think that Gavin Bazzini is getting him out of the way early now. You know, obviously, he would have been very disappointed with his performances last season in the Premier League. I think we we're all were pretty willing to put it down to being in the Premier League and sort of being in the bright lights and, and against experienced forwards. But... Against uh, Gustepe and, and against Reading now, a couple of soft goals that he obviously won't be happy with. Um, you know, Russell Martin was pretty disappointed with the manner of them going in. So, yeah, I wonder if they, they need to have a look at that goalkeeper position, really. You know, obviously, we want to give Gavin a chance, but I, I wouldn't be massively comfortable with just Gavin Bazunu, Alex McCarthy, and then Jack Bycroft, who obviously is a young lad. Uh, I think they probably need to get another goalkeeper in an ideal world, an experienced one who can push Gavin Bazunu. I think, you know, Bazunu would probably still be my number one, um, but. I think, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a couple warning signs now and you don't want to have a situation like last year where it turns out you haven't got a good enough goalkeeper and you are, you know, it's costing you games week in, week out. But we're, we're hamstrung to a degree by the fact that we've still got McCarthy probably on pretty high wages. And unless we can get him going, I, I can't honestly see us signing another goalkeeper. In an ideal world, we'd get rid of McCarthy and we'd sign someone else to be number one with Bazuna as the backup. Someone, someone's got to sign McCarthy, haven't they? The, and who's going to do that? Yeah, no one. I mean, I thought, that, yeah, the second goal was obviously bad from the keeper and the Gestepe one. And I thought the, if you watch the first goal from behind the goal, he, he's about a yard out of position. He just passes it into the middle of the goal. It's, it's. I know, it's, you know, it's, it, it would have been difficult to make a save in that situation anyway, but he's in totally the wrong place. And, and that, that in some ways was more worrying than the second goal. You know, the second goal was, you know, okay, it might have hit him and bounced away. But there was another free kick that he pushed back out into the danger area, which is what he did last year as well. So I think, you know, we have a problem there. Unless he suddenly improves over the next couple of weeks, I think we're, we're going to have a bit of an issue there going into the season if if we've still got the same two players that we've got now. Is that the problem area for you, Steve? It seems like everything else is kind of there or thereabouts, depending on who comes in, of course, and who who goes. But it's, it's the goalkeeping department, the one that that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. I think it's the one that's most of most glaringly obvious. I think the midfield is a is kind of a massive unknown. I think cent- central defence, assuming uh, Bed- at least Bednarek and Stevens are, are still are still around, which I don't see any reason why either of those two would be leaving at this stage. As long as those two are around and they're fit for the season, they're, they're good enough for this level. Um, and I think that's probably a, probably a decent partnership. I think Stevens, Stevens is a good organiser and Bednarek's attitude has improved immeasurably since the start of last season. So I think, I think those two are probably fine. Fullbacks, I think we're blessed really um, in the grand scheme of things. Central midfield, in the kind of sort of the the sort of proper midfield and going and sort of going forwards, I think we've we've got plenty of plenty of options that options there. It's the holding player that is the that is the issue there, and I'm not quite sure how we're going to handle that because realistically, I mean, we might get three ga- three or four games out of out of Lavia, but is he going to be going at hundred hundred percent, knowing that he's almost certainly got a move coming up? 
It's interesting because I spoke to Shea obviously in Turkey and he's a lovely guy, but he said very clearly that, yeah, but Russell's told me my role is defensive midfield and that's what I want to do. And then Russell said after the game yesterday that defensive midfield is where he sees him playing. So I'm not exactly sure why he came on suddenly. So I think it's just because of numbers. Just to get him on and get some minutes, mm. I assume, yeah. Um, so, Glenn, if we're going to bring somebody in, it's got to be someone a bit more experienced in that role than if we're going to address the keeper thing. And, and another 19-year-old kid from Manchester City is, is not the answer here. It's got to be somebody that has got some championship experience experience like I, I i would say so yes but like i said earlier i don't see anything happening um i do think teams you know some manage i mean look at the three teams that got relegated last year there was us with our goalkeeper problems leicester had that absolute clown danny warding goal and um leeds had the, the guy with the big head yeah and he's rubbish he's rubbish as well so that that was the problem forest stayed up because they had Dean Henderson, who's decent, and Kayla Navas. So I'm not saying that's the only only reason, but it, it's one of them. No lesser person than Brian Clough always said Peter Shilton was his best player because he, you know, he, he had him. I realise that's a reference that many of you kids won't get. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ask your mum and dad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, ask your granddad. Um, but uh, but yeah, you, you know, a, a goalkeeper is is huge, and I think it was one of the massive problems that we had last year, along with those other teams who got relegated. You know, Leicester get rid of Schmeichel one season later, relegated. Um, so it, it is it is a huge issue, and, and I do believe we're we're taking a risk going in going in with it. I, I mean, I don't think McCarthy will suit the thought of Alex McCarthy playing tiki taka at the back is just horrendous. I mean, Bazunu is is decent at that. But it's just the um, the other aspects of goalkeeping he seems to be struggling with at the moment. But uh, as Alfie said, hopefully he can um, he can get it sorted. I, I I believe he will start as first choice. But uh, I I would certainly, in an ideal world, like to see some uh, us signing a twenty seven, twenty eight year old goalkeeper. I mean, we let that guy go. How did um, Matthias List look, Steve, out in Turkey? I mean, he made one good save, didn't he? Well, he made a fantastic save um, in the fir- in the first half, but it was again it was pre a preseason friendly in in conditions that nobody really wanted to play in, and I think that was the only that's basically the only thing he had to do. A couple of crosses to take, um, maybe. Just a really strange signing that one, wasn't it? Just the more you think about it, it's bizarre that they seem to have not even given him an opportunity here. When given the struggles. I mean, can he pass? Can he pass it on the floor? I mean, don't know because because that pitch nobody was trying, um, or if they did, it went wrong. Yeah. So can he take crosses? Yes. Um, that was demonstrated in in that first half. So yeah, it's it's baffling that we've signed this guy on a free with seemingly no intention of of even giving him the vaguest opportunity to um, compete for a place in the first team. And of course, they were talking about giving Caballero another year, weren't they? So they were happy to keep him on. But um, let's just talk about some of the the rumours and, and those that we need to shift on, Alfie. It's been an interesting week with um, Lianco. At the time of recording this, uh, we think he's on his way back and he's going to be back in training on Monday. Uh, that may obviously develop during the week. What on earth went on there? I don't think I've ever heard of a player leaving and then something breaking down at the last minute like that. Yeah, I don't know. From what it sounds like, well, from what you know, the club have told us, and, and you always have to be careful because they they want what they want to be out, of course. But it sounds like they got over there, everything was agreed, and then Basic just changed the goalpost at the final few moments, and they obviously pulled out of the deal as a result, whether just because it's a, a disrespectful thing to do. But they also signed Amati, didn't they? From who obviously left Leicester on a free transfer. So I'm wondering if they sort of had two options. They got Amati in and thought, right, well, we don't actually want to pay the full whack for Lianca now because we don't necessarily need him, and they tr- tried to change it. But yeah, he'll be back. But I mean, 
obviously it's hard to, to judge Lianko immediately, but I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be the perfect man for Russell Martin in the system. I think that probably a lot of people will share that opinion as well. There's a few others that I would like to see gone though, to be honest with you. I mean, I want to, I think Mohamed Salah is a good deal for 15 million. I think the club can make profit on Salah. Did they, did they say he was injured at the weekend again? Because we had all that stuff last year about whether he was injured or not. And then obviously yesterday, I think they said that he didn't train or he, he picked up a niggle in training. And then lo and behold, all this stuff comes up about Fulham. And, and I'm just, but none, none of us are convinced about him, are they? It's so, it's so disingenuous yeah. and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, pretty insulting to the fan base really to to peddle that sort of nonsense when just say just say the guy's being being a dick <laughs> but i just why would they take him to, if that was the case why would they take him to turkey that's what i think unless it's, it's something that's developed in the last couple trying, of days to, trying to sell him there yeah maybe it is Tur- turkey's our equivalent of you know the pro- the proper club sell players to saudi arabia we can't do that so <laughs> not good enough so we have to we have to go to turkey instead so we think Lianco is probably going to go, and, and that's not a great sign, is it? When they sanction your move and you've then got to come back, you pretty much know um, that your days are going to be numbered. Salazu to, to Fulham, you think that's good value for, for 15 million? I think it could be, yeah, and obviously we don't know about it right now. But I mean, I'm seeing is it Jay Adams linked to a couple of Premier League clubs, Bournemouth, and was it, was it Forest as well, or someone else? Um, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think if you were to, to make some money on Che as well, and, and that did allow to bring in another striker, I probably wouldn't be hugely against it. You know, I like Che as a person. I think he's a decent hold-up striker, but hasn't really hit the ground running in pre-season. Not that you'd be expected to in three games, but you know what I mean? I, I feel confident replacing him. Is he another one, Glenn, that, that, correct me if I'm wrong, did he not say he wanted to stick around and was, was hoping to get the team back, but then at the same time, he's into the last year of his contract and presumably hasn't signed another one? I, I kind of change my mind on Che Adams every time I think about it, to be honest. I mean, I I said a couple of weeks ago that I would I would tell him he's not going because he's still our, he's still really our best striker. I would, uh, you know, for for the sake of between you know, probably 12, 13 million that we get for him with a year left on his contract, I'd, I'd be tempted to say, no, you stay, score some goals and, and keep us up. And, and if we go up, then you either sign a new contract or you or you go with our blessing. So that was what I was thinking a couple of weeks ago. But then when I was getting ready for this, I was kind of listing players who I, who I feel like either, either let us down, like the ones I mentioned earlier, or the ones who don't really want to be here. And he comes into that sort of second category. He's obviously he's obviously waiting for the last minute. I mean, I'm sure if he doesn't get a move, he'll he'll get his head down and get on with it for the for the last year or so. But I don't know how high his wages would be. How how that's another thing. How keen are the club going to be to get certain players off the wage bill? I mean, I'm sure they I'm sure Alex McCarthy will be the number one they'd like to get rid of because A, he doesn't contribute and B he's on decent wedge. And this is what I think ultimately Will Prowse will go because getting close to the end of the transfer window, I'm sure we're going to drop the fee a little bit to try and get 100 grand a week or whatever it is off of the um, off of the wage bill. So I've heard, I've heard a rumour we've not enforced the um, relegation wage reduction clause for him and him only. I wonder if that's uh, how that's gone down in the squad. If true, uh, I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know whether that's uh, whether that's true or not. But I mean, it, it kind of makes sense if you want your uh, if you if you if you've got even vague designs on um, on your captain and sort of talisman staying. Then because I mean, there's, there's I mean, all, all the all the talk of transfers for him has gone gone pretty quiet. I mean, basically the two the two options seem to be Fulham and West Ham, and West Ham are kind of messing around with sort of low ball um prices in in the press when everybody knows they've got 105 million pounds to spend 
and actually, I mean, Fulham, Fulham's the one that probably makes sense because he wouldn't have to uproot his family at all. He'd probably be able to stay where he is and just commute to Motspur Park, whereas West Ham are all the way over in um, Chingford, I think, in Essex, aren't they? Which is a bit of a bit of a trek for him. I mean, the buyback clauses seem to be keeping you busy, Alfie, explaining how all that works and what the different connotations are to people that can't quite get their heads around it. But um, it looks like that's a, a pretty shrewd bit of business in terms of Tino and, and Lavia, because if, if someone wants to buy those players in this window, they're going to have to stump up like the best part of 50 million quid, aren't they? Or it's not good business for us because of those potential deals we've got down the line in, in 12 months' time. Yeah, it's ideal, isn't it? And it, that is the only way you get those players in the first place as well. So even if it wasn't a good situation for Southampton, tough luck. If you want the best academy players, that's how you've got to do it. I imagine it's probably the same with Shea Charles as well. I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure it almost certainly is. Yeah, the Livermento was interesting though, because I, I mean, I was told that pre-injury Chelsea were very, very interested in doing that buyback clause, which would have been this summer. Um, and obviously that's probably been put on ice. And like you say, I think it's Jacob's reporting on the uh, the sliding sell-on fee. That's a bit more of a of an interesting one. Like the, the more you sell the player for, the higher percentage you have to give to to Chelsea. Meaning that Southampton basically have to sell Livermento for forty million plus. Otherwise, they don't even get a decent chunk of it. So, yeah, I mean, as long as the player's happy to to stay, then it works a treat. The one with Romeo Lavia, though, is I mean, I'd be very surprised if Romeo Lavia was still here come September. I'd be less surprised if Livermento still. I've got a little bit of hope Livermento will still be here. To be honest, if Newcastle aren't going to stump up the fee but Lavio is somebody who are uh, yeah I mean I, I can't imagine he'd still be here you'd, you'd happily take the 40-50 and he'd go with all of our blessing wouldn't he yeah I think so another thing though I mean you've got um, with Tino and Lavio you can't imagine that wages wise they're particularly high earners so where's the where's the advantage in taking a low ball fee regardless of the buyback clauses and all that stuff I mean with Lavio I think there'll be there'll be more more than one club interested so that will end up getting done at the, the sort of 45, 50 million pound level. But, you know, Liveramento, I mean, Newcastle are hilarious, aren't they? I mean, you know, the richest, richest club in the world. And, and, and now they want to lowball everybody because, oh, oh, look, we've got FFP issues. I mean, yeah, deal with it. It's interesting. Do you remember what Martin Seven said a couple of years ago in one of the fans forums where he said um, that if you don't let Livermento go to Liverpool, for example, then you don't get the next one. Obviously, Martin Summers no longer at the club, but I think the point is that if, if players see that you're not going to sell them when they get their deserved step up, then they won't. You know, people like Shea Charles won't join. So is that something that you worry about at all as supporters? you think that players in the future be put off by coming if they're being held to ransom, so to speak? Um, I, I think... A lot depends on the player, doesn't it? A lot depends on the attitude of the player. I mean, we've tried to, we tried, we legendarily tried to keep Van Dijk, didn't we? And he just, he just down tools basically. Whereas if we did say to Ward Prowse or Livermento, no, you're staying this season. I don't think either of those would particularly be a problem. Would it affect players, you know, young players who play for other clubs? To be honest, I don't, I don't really think so because that they'd be about getting game time, which they would get for a season two seasons whatever you get you get your move eventually you know it's, it's if you're good enough you get your move eventually but um yeah i mean these these big clubs it's a bit like i said about bella Kocham. they've got to, they've got to stop pretending to be this big tough thing and actually put some money on the table and then and then happy days if they stick 45 million down for tino they'll, they'll probably get him but if they mess around offering 20 25 they you know 
tough. So, so as fans, it would be managing our expectations, like Joe Charles, for example, coming in and, and then knowing from the offset that you're going to have him for two really good seasons, and then he's going to go. And in your head, it's always going to be two seasons, and then then they're off. And that's that's kind of the model at the moment. Which pretty, I don't know. Pretty until much. you finish, unless, unless they're unless unless they're not quite good enough, and then you've and then you've got them for a little yeah, bit longer. Stuck with them. <laughs> well, so I suppose the ultimate aim is finishing eighth at this point, isn't it? It's finishing eighth in the Premier League, obviously not in the Championship in three or four years time, five years time, and then obviously in Europe that's when you can start to I suppose grow like Aston Villa have done this season but that's a long way away we've not even mentioned Sulemana and uh, Tall Paul um, they weren't in the, the squad yesterday were they so I'm, I'm assuming it looks like they might be off and, and you're not going to shed any tears over Lachlan um, well I've said all along I feel sorry for Tall Paul you know like I said earlier on we we got Adam Armstrong we'd never really played to his strengths putting in putting him in behind defences and letting him, run, letting him run in on goal we've never really set up the team to play that way Tall Paul is, is an absolute classic. You know, we we signed a six foot seven guy and don't put the ball in the air to him. It's just, just ridiculous. If you if you've got a player who's incredibly limited, the only way you're going to get anything out of him is to play to his one strength. And we we haven't done that. So I feel a bit sorry for the guy um, in in the football sense. But at the end of the day, he's probably tripled his salary to come over here and and sit watching the team lose, scoring no goals with Ruben Sellers as manager. So you know. He'll get a move. I'm, it, they seem to be German clubs sniffing around, don't they? So uh, I, I think we'll end up. We'll probably end up paying a portion of his wages for the duration of his contract. It, it just underlines how poor that January transfer window was, oh, yeah. doesn't it? And because yeah. Allsitch has already gone, obviously, and uh, yeah, not good at all. Um, Steve, a couple of games this week. Obviously, Bournemouth on Tuesday. It's going to be an interesting one. Have they have they misjudged the mood of the room on that one? Bournemouth on a Tuesday night. Uh, just a touch. From what I gather, I think that game against Bournemouth on Tuesday is going to resemble the game at Reading yesterday, in that basically Bournemouth sold their 3,000 away end out in about a day, and I don't think we've sold as many as they have. So yeah, that's, I mean, they've, they've just completely misread the mood on that, that, that Bournemouth fans are going to waltz in and basically spend 90 minutes taking the piss out of us. So who in their right mind is going to turn up to that? And and pay for the privilege um absolutely not if that starting 11 at, at reading on saturday was pretty strong you, you think that might be close to the the team that's going to start the the first league game then by the the process of elimination it's going to be mccarthy's going to be in goal it's going to be some of the the other players that come in for that game so it's probably not even going to be a, a full strength side um i don't know i mean it depends what level of fitness the players are at because i think there's also an argument that at this back end of pre-season, you want to get your first team players used to playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, because that's that's what the season is in the championship. So maybe there are a few players who need that those extra extra minutes in the legs in, in this game against Bournemouth. I mean, I don't know what I've no idea what they've been doing in, in pre-season. I think I saw they I saw there was they they were supposed to have a game in in Spain against a bunch of, was it Tel Aviv, I think, they're supposed to be supposed to be playing. And a load of fans have booked travel and hotels and stuff to go out there and watch it. And 24 hours before kickoff, it was announced it was behind closed doors for security fears. Um, sounds like they've had quite an interesting preseason. But yeah, there's, there's just going to be, I mean, from, from a fan's perspective, there's no interest in us hosting games against against Bournemouth where, they're, where they can turn up and, and basically just laugh at us. I think the I think the one that everyone will be slightly more interested in will be the RZ game next Saturday, where you're playing against a team that got to a European semi final, 
but the Dutch league is always of a, of a level where you kind of feel that even as a championship club, you always feel you can, you can compete against most of their teams. Maybe not, maybe not the top three, but other than, other than that, they're kind of, they're kind of beatable and they'll play a, they'll play a certain style of football that probably fits quite nicely with, with what we're trying to do as well. So I think that, that game is probably going to be the, um, the more entertaining one. Have you been tempted by either of them, Glenn? Are you going to be venturing down? Um, I'd rather stick pins in my eyes and go watch <laughs> Bournemouth, to be honest. Did you, I mean, did you then, Alfie, for that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, it, I agree with what Steve said. An incredibly tone-deaf decision by the club. It would have been better off arranging a friendly against Pompey. At least it would have been interesting. Uh, okay, yeah, they to pay a bit for policing and whatnot, but... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't want to play Bournemouth. I'm not remotely interested. I mean, it's our only chance to watch Premier League players this year. Isn't that funny? No, so I'm not I'm not tempted by Bournemouth. I don't tend to do friendlies. I used to do them. And, um, I, um, yeah, I tend to steer clear. I may, I may be tempted by the uh, by the game at the weekend. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, definitely not the one against um, them Dorset people. So, uh, so, there you go. That's my answer to that. No, I, 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 might, I might have a look at the... the um, the, the Altmar game at the weekend, but uh, but no, not not really tempted. I'd rather keep me keep me money for these ridiculously expensive away tickets that we're going to be buying this year. That seems like the perfect place to finish for this week. Um, thank you, chaps. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pods. Uh, we're now on Instagram. We've finally got an Instagram account. And, of course, because we've got that, there's threads as well. Uh, so it's at Total Saints Podcast on there if you want to give us a follow. Uh, we'd love to hear from you throughout the week. If you want to drop us um, an email or a DM, I think next week we're probably going to get into the, the nuts and bolts about our best 11. So I'll be interested to see uh, and hear your thoughts on that. Uh, on the email, it's Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.co.uk. That's if you want to uh, get in touch. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, we're also on Patreon. That's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. There's four different tiers on there that range from £5 to £20, and each of the tiers comes with different perks. There's the weekly shouts for the patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tiers. So thanks to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson in the Francis Benali tier, and also Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberg. Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in the Mick Shannon tier. Thanks again to Steve. Thank you to Glenn. Thank you to Alfie. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.